Welcome back to Cartels, Conspiracies, and Camarena. I'm Jack Llewellyn. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. This last weekend, starting the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, was a busy time in the world of Mexican cartels. A couple of key events and some significant repercussions possible from those events. And that's what we're going to talk about today instead of the program I had already planned. Before we talk about these events, I want to have a disclaimer here. This topic, this discussion today, more than any other topic in any podcast I've done, more than anything in any other podcast of the 78 we've done before, this one more than any of them is based on rumor, innuendo, hearsay, possible facts, and doesn't have, in a lot of respects, cooperation from more traditional sources such as the Mexican or American governments. If that's the case, how do you put together a podcast like this, like this episode? Well, as with anything else, over time you start to develop sources that prove to be credible. So that's number one. Number two, when information comes from two or three or four sources, that inherently has more credibility and authenticity than one-off remarks. And number three, there are some very good websites that most of you know that collect a lot of this information and the information they choose to repeat also, over time, has proven to be more reliable than not. But I want to make it very clear that I'm not vouching for the accuracy of everything said today, but I've done my best to provide information that I think is credible and reliable, even if not fully corroborated. Okay, so with that, we're going to start off by talking about Nestor Isidro Perez Salas, better known as El Nini, the head of security of Los Chapitos, and personal protection for, and at least up until last week, maybe friends with Yvonne of Los Chapitos. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. Ivan was captured in Culiacan on Wednesday, transferred to Mexico City, and we'll go through the details of all of that. But I want to back up and talk just a little bit about who El Nini was first. A lot of you probably are familiar with him and Los Ninis, but I want to make sure everybody's on the same page. As is the case with so many things with respect to the Mexican cartels back in the 70s, 80s, and even now, there is precious little information on some of these people. According to El Nini himself, 
He was born on March 9th, 1992 in the state of Baja, California. Other reports say he was born in a small town about 250 kilometers outside of Culiacan. Not sure. But what we do know, March 9th, 1992 appears to be the date of his birth, putting him at about 31. At some time, not exactly sure when, he started working with the Sinaloa cartel as a hitman, Sicario, whatever you want to call his role. Apparently, it was about that time that he developed the alias of El Nini. Um, It's said that he had a couple of other aliases at various times. One is Chicken Little, which I'm not sure was a compliment. And then also L-19 and L-09. Eventually, he started working with a group of hitmen who worked as the personal security detail of Ivan Archivaldo Guzman Salazar. And that's when kind of Los Ninis really started to develop. He put out a narco cordo in, and, and I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that quite correct, but you know what I mean. Um, but he put out a narco cordo in uh, 2015 called El Tiempo Es Caro. Time is expensive. And in it, he says, I have my hands in the security of Mr. Archivaldo. The same with El Panu, and Alfredito knows well I will not fail him. Nini is said to be married to Gabi Fernandez, the daughter of Manuel Fernandez Valencia, who's from the Valencia crime family. He goes by the name of El Panu. One of the things that really stands out, obviously, is his rapid advancement within the cartel despite his young age. Um, you know, by 30 uh, and and even before 30, he had really established himself as a significant figure within the cartel organization. For years, El Nini used to post on social media. That's decreased in recent times. But he used to post photos of his apartment, of, of his apartment, excuse me, which uh, contained paintings of El Chapo. It had a gilded throne-like chair, and he showed off various pieces of custom CDS-themed gold jewelry. That's a theme that uh, is is common amongst the traffickers, right? You can go all the way back to Rafael Caro Quintero and and his gold bracelets and his gold-plated AK-47s. As we said, and as you know... um, El Nini at one point took command of the security team known as Los Ninis. The U.S. government has characterized Los Ninis as a particularly violent group of security personnel for Los Chapitos. This comes from the indictments of April 2023. Remember, we talked about those indictments. There were four sets of indictments made the headlines because there were indictments that were unsealed relating to Los Chapitos. Well, El Nini was in at least one of those indictments and referenced uh, 
Los Ninis, the indictments did, they referenced Los Ninis and described them in, in a number of ways. One of the indictments alleged that the Ninis received military-style training in multiple areas of combat, including urban warfare, special weapons and tactics, and sniper proficiency. El Nini allegedly participated in the torture of a Mexican federal agent in 2017. It's said that he and others tortured the man for two hours, inserting a corkscrew into his muscles, ripping the corkscrew out, and then placing hot chilies in the wound. And again, that's including, according to one of the indictments uh, released in April of this year. There, it is said that El Nini has um, a co-leader or someone else in control of Los Ninis. It's a Jorge Figueroa Benitez, but much less is known about Jorge. It's also said that the Ninis would um, carry out many gruesome acts of violence, uh, including taking captured rivals to ranches owned by Los Chapitos. Some of those victims apparently were shot, but others were fed dead or alive to the tigers that belonged to Los Chapitos. It's also said that the Ninis conducted grisly human testing on kidnapped rivals. There's a story in one of the indictments where uh, Jorge and, and El Nini experimented on a woman they were supposed to shoot. And what they did is they injected her repeatedly with lower potencies of fentanyl doses until she eventually overdosed and died. Perhaps most importantly, Sedena blames Los Ninis for the attack committed against military personnel in 2016, which led, left five troops dead and 10 wounded. This was September 29, 2016. You may, may remember these events. There was a gunfight between cartel members and military personnel. As part of that gunfight, a Julio... Oscar Ortiz Vega, also known as El Kevin, was arrested uh, or captured. Los Ninis then attacked the capturing group in an effort, a successful effort, to free El Kevin. And that's where the five troops died. Again, 10 were wounded. That really put Los Ninis and El Nini as a direct target, a focused target of Sedena even more than in the past. As we all know, Los Ninis are a rival group to Los Rusos, Los Rusos being aligned with El Mayo. And we've talked in the past, and there's been plenty of news reports in the past about the interfaction rivalries between Los Rusos and El Nini. And, and Los Ninis. So what actually happened? The Mexican National Guard captured El Nini in Culiacan on Wednesday. We'll talk more about some of the elements of that. But a couple of things are interesting. He was apparently at a, a house in Culiacan. 
There's some video or several different vantage points of video taken of the the capture. Apparently, El Nini tried to escape through the roof. And there's a video I've seen where you can see him being captured on the roof. Gunshots were fired immediately before he was you know, officially grabbed. It appears to me from the video that the Mexican military fired warning shots into the air and not directly at him. Nevertheless, he was taken alive. Just as an aside, Ovidio was captured in Culiacan. El Nini was captured in Culiacan. We'll talk in a couple of minutes about reports that Ivan is in Culiacan or has been in Culiacan recently. And it makes you wonder, why are they staying in Culiacan when there's obviously a significant military and police presence there? Nevertheless, that's where he was. um, That's where he was captured. He was then flown almost immediately to Mexico City. And uh, we'll talk about that again in just a second. No coincidence, I don't think. Nini's capture comes less than a week after President Biden met with AMLO in San Francisco. And if you remember, Ovidio's capture was closely correlated to a meeting between Biden and AMLO. Once it was clear that El Nini had been arrested, the White House released a statement that read, in part, these arrests are testament to the commitment between the United States and Mexico to secure our communities against violence, counter the cartels, and end the scourge of illicit fentanyl that is hurting so many families. We will continue working as strong partners to do everything possible to hold criminals accountable for jeopardizing public health and safety in our two countries. As I told President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador when we met in San Francisco on November 17, nothing is beyond our reach when Mexico and the United States stand together. I want to thank President Lopez Obrador and the Mexican Army and Special Forces for effectively capturing El Nini and express our appreciation for the brave men and women of Mexican security forces who undertook this successful operation to apprehend him. As I said, Nini was was flown to Mexico City, and he had a hearing on Friday. At that hearing, he was ordered, held in preventive custody for 60 days while the U.S. formalizes its extradition request. He was also granted something called suspension ex officio, which in theory means the extradition of El Nini won't be executed until the case against El Nini is adjudicated. We've we've seen this in the past, and and so the extradition process, you know, can be short like it was with a video. It can be very long. It can be non-existent. We'll just have to see how that plays out. Generally speaking, the U.S. government has 60 days to request his extradition. Attorney General Garland issued a statement that said shortly after the apprehension of El Nini, I spoke with Mexican Attorney General Gertz 
to thank him for the extraordinary efforts of the Mexican authorities who made the arrest. We are now seeking El Nini's swift extradition from Mexico to face justice here in the United States. After that hearing, El Nini was transferred to the Altiplano Federal Prison where so many others have or are being held. So that's what happened. Now let's talk about why it happened because that's the interesting part. Within minutes, and I mean within minutes of the word getting out that El Nini had been captured, rumors started that he had been set up and or abandoned by Yvonne. Initially, the argument was that Nini decided that he wanted to um, have his own organization and that there had been some type of split between he and Yvonne leading to his arrest. In the days since, there have been a number of different posts that have talked about um, the arrest and there are a couple of different sources who basically attribute the arrest to Los Chapitos giving up El Nini. And there's a long written statement by an unknown person who describes what might have happened. And I think this actually comes from El Mini Licenciado, who we've talked about in the past and talked about a lot in my um, uh, in, in my newsletter last week. But he was recently released. He started a uh, a podcast, and you know he has gone out and said, "Hey, I know more about the cartels. I know more about CDS than anyone alive outside of you know the Los Chapitos, perhaps." And he's willing to talk about it, etc. So here's what this writing says. And I'm going to read directly from parts of it because it just is easier to, to you know, show it exactly as it says. Um, give me one second here. Okay. So it says in part, Chapitos began... a negotiation with the government of Mexico to deliver, sorry, one more time. Chapitos began a negotiation with the government of Mexico to deliver the Nini and thus reduce the pressure they maintained on them. The course of negotiation took an accelerated course after the discovery of eight bodies in Durango on October 28th, since among them was an informant from security agencies along with some relatives of him, including a boy of only 13 years old. These facts were ordered by the three brothers Guzman, Ivan, Alfredo, and Joaquin, but they blamed El Nini for being responsible. On November 7, the cartel announced a meeting of the leaders of the organization of the Chapitos to consummate the destiny of Nini. 
In that meeting held in Culiacan, where Ivan, Alfredo, Joaquin were together with El Panu, remember El Nini's father-in-law, Jose Angel Canobio, alias El Garito, or 90, and Kevin Hilacosta, alias L200 or El Cabo, it was decided to hand over El Nini to the government, but that the agreement that was reached was that the government would execute Nini by making him pass as a confrontation, but they did not count on agents preventing that execution from taking place so that Nini begins to cooperate with them which will be another nail in the coffin of the Guzman organization. And for them to verify that Nini was put by his own bosses, look at how the operation was for his capture. It was at noon with the population on the street and in a housing area, being that the dangerousness of this criminal was more than justified since he was cataloged as an organizer of the two Culiacanazos. And that, by the way, there they're referencing the uprising that happened in Culiacan following the capture of a video. Remember that in the first Culiacanazo, the same government that, that said, or the same government said that the operation had been a failure because it was not taken into account, there would be a lot of population on the street. And it was not considered that the cartel would have that violent reaction endangering the lives of innocent civilians. Surely today they took that into account, but proceeded because everything had been agreed to with Yvonne. Okay. Goes on to say, now, if you don't get the move, Yvonne and your gunmen will be charged with putting all your commanders, reviewing the government that helps you and reviewing all the deaths of innocent, of innocence, police, government elements, and all the executions that you didn't want to be known because El Nini was the one that did that for you. Yvonne will give the order to calm Kuliakon that there is no longer so much theft of vehicles or homicides, to blame Nini for all of that. He will try to make him see how Nini was the psychopath and he did, that he did not pay attention, but do not worry that the government knows the reality that the major psychopath is Yvonne. Okay. So that's basically the assertion that... The heat on El Nini's, or excuse me, on Los Chapitos, particularly on Ivan, was increasing to the degree that they gave up El Nini and that the agreement with the government wasn't that El Nini would be captured alive, but that he would be killed. That was actually really hard to read because it's in such broken English. But I hope you got the the gist of it. And I find it fascinating because, again, the first thought that I had when people were saying, you know, that Yvonne had given him up was 
that makes no sense. Why give him up when you know he's the one who literally knows where where the bodies are buried? That would be the ultimate cliche of cutting off your nose to spite your face. On the other hand, if you want him out of the way, getting the government to do it for you would be uh, a wise move, it seems. Query, why didn't they take him out themselves? Certainly, they could have come up with some way of making it look like it wasn't them. Maybe there's fear of retribution from Los Ninis. Are they more aligned with El Nini than they are or were with Yvonne? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Oftentimes, you know, these discussions or or the things that you see, the the reports, the rumors, there's not a give and take. There's not a back and forth. Um, But those are questions that I have. Okay. Then... We get to Friday, day after Thanksgiving, and we learn that El Mago, Eddie or Eduardo Escobedo, who was one of the CDS's key men, and more importantly, one of Yvonne's key men in Los Angeles, was killed in Los Angeles. He um, apparently grew up in or was born in Durango, but had been in the United States for many years, was kind of a known figure. He owned a number of um, food trucks and restaurants that were um, like Benihana style food trucks and restaurants. He apparently was in... um, a whole variety of activities relating to drug trafficking. And again, was one of the major players for Los Chapitos in the Southern California area, at least according to most reports. So there was a shooting late at night, early in the morning, depending on how you want to look at it in the Willowbrook area of Los Angeles. It occurred in a, an industrial area, but it's an industrial area that oftentimes gets rented out or certain facilities get rented out for parties or raves. Apparently, there had been a party that night. Two individuals were killed, including El Mago. Another person was injured, taken to the hospital. Um, it is said, it is said that the two dead were El Mago and the person who killed him. Not exactly sure how that played out. That hasn't been uh, announced by the police at all yet. By the way, there were um, pictures posted on social media yesterday of El Mago's funeral. It wasn't his funeral. El Mago's body is still at the coroner's office. So, Another good example of don't trust everything you see on social media. Obviously, many rumors going around as to the reason behind El Mago's death. He had a number of of enemies. 
Um, so the suspect list is fairly large, but, but one rumor is that that was payback to Yvonne for El Nini's capture, right? All right, you captured El Nini. We're going to take out your man in LA, somebody that you have a personal relationship with. So there's that. And then over the weekend, Juan Carlos Pisano, also known as CR, the Tapalpa Plaza boss for CNJG, um, was captured uh, in Jalisco by the military. The report is, or the theory is, that Pisano was the one responsible for the attack on the military in Teocaliche a few days ago, and there's been pictures and video of of the ambush on lots of different sites. Go to um, uh, Borderland Beat, and they've got video of it. There's some on Insight Crime as well, and you can find it other places. But so there was this attack on the military. It's said that Pisano was the one responsible for it. He got captured by the Mexican military. As a, a second note, and by the way, that, that attack was one week ago today. Three soldiers died. Three were wounded. Again, you can see video and pictures if you are so inclined. Despite the fact that Pisano is attributed to being the one who was responsible for the attack, sources have said that Adias Flores Silva, El Hardanillo, the engineer was kind of the intellectual author of the attack. And interestingly enough, he is considered to be the likely successor of El Mencho, but now he is squarely in the sights of the Mexican military as well. And remember, one of the things that we've talked about when discussing CJNG and CDS especially kind of with their longevity is what happens when their leaders die or start getting captured. El Mencho has been around for forever. El Nile has been around for forever. You know, El Chapo was around for a long time, but he was arrested at different times. And when he left, Los Chapitos filled that void. If Los Chapitos kind of go away or diminished in power, what happens? What happens if, Flores Silva is captured because of his role in this attack on the military. How does that affect the chain of command and more importantly, any succession plans for CJNG? That's how all these things start to play together. All right. That's the information we have or that I have. Obviously, more will come out. We'll provide updates, especially in the newsletter. So look for that. Next week, uh, barring something uh, interesting coming up or, frankly, just me changing my mind, next week we are going to talk about 
Juan Ramon Matamayasteros and his role or purported role in the activities surrounding what's referred to as the Guadalajara cartel and Agent Camarena's case. So we'll talk about that next week. But this has been Cartels, Conspiracies, and Camarena for today. Thank you so much and have a great week.